welcome. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is uh, Paul Duncan, and I have the joy of, uh, of speaking to you this morning. So this is the second talk in the series, Old Fashioned Postures for a Brave New World. And last week, Jenny gave us some great context about why Paul had written the letter to Timothy. Oh, I should do this. So apparently, when the preacher takes the watch off, it, it's a bad sign. No, it's uh, it either, it, it can make time slow down. So 15 minutes can seem like an hour. So let's hope, or on a good day, an hour seem like 15 minutes. You guys will have to be the judge. Jenny, uh, she, reminded her, she reminded us that Paul had given Timothy a job to do. And the job was to train and oversee and appoint new leaders for the growing churches in Ephesus. And the letter is full of lots of really practical advice on how to choose the right leaders. Um, but it also contains some personal advice from Paul to his protege, uh, Timothy. And Jenny talked, sorry, Jenny talked about the things Paul told Timothy to flee, and today we're going to be looking at the slightly more positive things that we should be pursuing. So this morning we're going to be looking at the second half of the verse, which is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, B. So, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. I'm going to repeat this about 10 times, so probably you will have memorized it by the end of today. I've also been given a great title for this, and the title is The Chase. Sadly, Bradley and his friends were unable to join us uh, this morning, and I think Bradley and friends' version of The Chase probably wasn't what Tim Chilvers the leader of our church, had in mind when he gave. So, sorry, you've got me instead of Bradley. So, before we look at the, the end of verse 11, which was, do you see you haven't forgot, what was it again? Well, you can read, anyway, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, not particularly well, but yeah, these things happen. I'd like us to look again and take a fresh look at the opening five words of verse 11. But you, man of God, or but you, woman of God, if, you, if Timothy had been a woman, can you hear Paul's plea to Timothy? Paul's reminding Timothy of his status in Christ. Timothy, you're a man of God. Paul's given Timothy a call to recall how God sees him. Like Timothy, one of our greatest challenges today as Christians is that we have poor eyesight. Now, what do I mean by such a strange statement? Let me try to illustrate this. A few years ago, I was coaching the head of a school. And after a few months, he said, Paul, would you coach some of my deputies so that they can coach the people they lead better? And he's a friend, so I said, yeah, sure. 
But on the inside, I'm transformed back to when I'm 11 or 12 and having to go back to see those scary enforcer authority people in the school. So I wasn't, you know, it's like, yeah, 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 on the, out, on the outside, inside, like, what have I done? This is going to go so badly. Who am I to speak to these people? As the day approached for me to start meeting with these uh, deputy heads, uh, my friend, the head, said to me, oh, by the way, all my deputies are intimidated by you. <laughs> I was, like, really shocked. I was uh, really taken aback. Uh, I was like, what, what's gone wrong? You know, what, what's he said about me? Um, now, I think if you look, you know, I don't look particularly intimidating. Do I then win? Yeah. No. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Right, I'll have a drink in that case then, so that you can, like, feel more intimidated. As I, as I drink water, and you guys think, I wish I was drinking water. <laughs> or coffee, Lin-Win, yeah, that's right. So I'm really shocked, taken aback. So I don't think I'm particularly intimidating. And they hadn't even met me yet. I thought, you know, it's just, I'm just me. I'm going to have a chat with them about coaching. It's like, it will be, you know, nice and fine and lovely. But they only saw one thing. In fact, two little lefters after my name. But these letters were really significant in their eyes and caused their sense of feeling intimidation. Recently, I'd got an MA, and they were the two letters that they were intimidated by, in coaching and mentoring. The school deputies valued my educational achievement much more than I did. In fact, they actually had a greater and more accurate understanding of the worth of my achievement than I did. So I saw myself really differently than they saw me. But actually, they, they had a much clearer view of what I'd achieved. However, the ramifications of not seeing myself as they saw me pales into insignificance in comparison to not seeing myself as God sees me. And Timothy isn't alone in this area. Uh, one of the examples that popped into my mind was the example of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And the story is Israel is being oppressed and we see our hero Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites because that's where superheroes in the Marvel universe, that's where they hang out on the, the threshing floor. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, and the first words out of his mouth are, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The next couple of verses are Gideon explaining to the angel of the Lord, perhaps he's got the wrong Gideon. He, he, you know, he's, got, he's got some great excuses. You know, I'm from the weakest clan. I'm, I'm the least in my family. And we haven't got time to look in the whole story, but if you read the rest of chapters 6 and 7, you see Gideon's transformation as he begins to inhabit and believe the things that the Lord says about him. So, how is 
your eyesight. How do you and I see ourselves? Would you be so bold as to describe yourself as a masterpiece? Now, I know it's not very British, but that's one of the many problems it has in being British. Um, but do you see yourself as a masterpiece? James, James, you are God's masterpiece. Deathly silence in the room. That, you know, that's quite surprising. I thought they'd say, of course, yeah. Sam, if you're watching uh, on uh, today, Sam, you are a masterpiece. Carol, you are God's masterpiece. Amen. <laughs> James, uh, Mel, do you want to say anything about you? You think you've kind of like missed your opportunity there? Okay. A bit concerning, really, isn't it? Oh, okay. So, Martin, where's Martin? Martin, you're not a scally. You're God's masterpiece. Okay. That's God's. If I'm honest, it, I don't feel like a masterpiece. It feels like it feels really uncomfortable. To like, ooh, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this this like title. But my status rests on God's word and His judgment, not how I feel about it. Being a masterpiece isn't the only thing God has to say about our status in His eyes. Uh, which was, how does God see me? Who am I in Christ? So I would love to hear you shout out what you, you thought. And Nathaniel, if you can see what wisdom we have from the chat, uh, assuming the internet isn't down as we've been cyber attacked by Russia. So, uh, so what, what did you hear as you, discuss, as, you, uh, as you chatted to one another about how you saw uh, yourself or how God sees you. This is a moment for audience participation, by the way. Precious. Precious. Yeah. Brilliant. As his child. As his child. A struggler. Okay, a struggler, yeah. All in the same boat. Say that again, Rob. All in the same boat. All in the same boat. Is that it? Come on, guys. Loved. Amen. Thank you. What's it like to feel loved? Exciting. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. What else? Anything? Nathaniel, the, the group here seem a bit quiet. I don't know why. Maybe they're maybe just overtired because of the Commonwealth Games. Uh, to be honest, not. People haven't shared that much on the chat yet. So, so Nathaniel, what about you? How do God... <laughs> how does God... How does God see you, Nathaniel? Um, um, I'm, I'm his son. Yeah. Got a lot of amens then. That's really good. Anybody else? How does God see you? Who are you in Christ? Paul. Yeah, we are unique. We're so, say that again. We're we are giants. We're not grasshoppers. That is, is correct. Amen. So, how, according to Google, there are 101 truths about our identity in Christ. I'm fairly sure there's a lot more. But it's kind of interesting that 
I mean, maybe we're being British, maybe we're tired, maybe it's July the 31st. But we need to get excited. We need to have the right... Oh, I see this, this activity. There's two... Maggie has said she's a new person. Okay, brilliant. Uh, and Matt Morgan says, I have everything I need. Brilliant. Matt has everything you need. There is an amazing list. And knowing who we are is transformational. So I just encourage you to think more about... Yeah, I mean, some of us look in the mirror occasionally. Some of us look in the mirror every day. But looking in the mirror of God's word and discovering, well, this is how he sees me. Because it is transformational. So we need to recalibrate how we see ourselves, how we see others. And then we need to live out who we are in Christ. Paul wanted Timothy to be under no misapprehension or no illusion that he was, I think the next slide is coming. There we go. But you, man of God. And because of his status, because of his identity in Christ, he's able to pursue righteousness. He's able to pursue godliness. He's able to pursue faith. He's able to pursue love. He's able to pursue endurance. He's able to be Gentle. We don't pursue these things to make us a man of God or to make us a woman of God. It doesn't work that way. God, God, uh, what's the phrase it says here? Uh, God uh, basically decided it, it wasn't intended to. Doing this stuff wasn't intended to make you a man or a woman of God. If you do this stuff, in your own strength, it will just make you tired. So, and I think we don't need to get any tireder. I've loved, um, I love questions, or more accurately, it would be true to say, I love asking questions, because I'm curious, and I guess that curiosity is what makes me a good coach. So when I read verse 11, um, Three questions come to mind, and I'm going to share those three mind-blowing, super amazing questions with you. Question number one, I'm going to give you numbers so that you know what they are. Question number one is, why pursue? Why should I pursue this? I mean, one would have been okay, pursue righteousness. There's a lot of things to pursue there. You know, that's like, couldn't I have like an easier task to pursue? But Paul, uh, in his second letter, gives Timothy the reason to pursue these things. And the reason appears in uh, 2 Timothy. And it says, No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So why should we pursue these things? Because it pleases Jesus. That's it. Simple. Do you, want, do, you want, do you want to make Jesus happy and smile today? Pursue these things. My second question is, what type of pursuit in it? I know some of us have been watching the marathon. So, is it like this? Is it like Wiley Coyote trying to chase the roadrunner? You know, uh, 
he never made it. He had really some great, I mean, he's, he's really clever. He's really uh, ingenious. Uh, he tried, I mean, I don't know, dynamite, a rocket? But he never made it. He never made it. What about, maybe it's a bit like the next one. Trying really hard, but getting nowhere apart from a bit confused, I would say. Thankfully, it's like neither of these pursuits. Now, the word pursue can be uh, translated as to follow after, or to set your heart on, or to seek eagerly. So that's kind of the picture uh, behind it. My third and my final question is, well, what actually does righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness actually look like? And if we had an hour, which we don't, we could spend a bit more time looking at those things. But as I thought about them, I realized these are not abstract theological concepts. These are best explained by seeing them, by being lived out. So um, Carol, in her job, the way endurance or gentleness is lived out is really different than uh, Nathaniel, how he lives out, or Andrew, or Martin as a policeman living out gentleness. Uh, is completely different. So the words are the same, but what it looks like in your experience and in the people around you is completely different. So, you know, Dave, what does, what does righteousness look like in the conversations you have at work? It's like, well, yeah, you know, it's hard to get your head around them. But that's the idea of, it's not this is what it looks like, it's got lots of different flavors depending on who we are and the situations that we find ourselves in. So a question like what does uh, righteousness or endurance look like leads me to prayer. It leads me to pray, Lord, show me what godliness could look like in me. Or, Lord, how can I be gentle in work or with this person in particular? Or what does righteousness look like in this situation? And it's questions like this. that you know, That's what we need to be asking of the Lord. And I think this next slide sums up my prayer. Psalm 143. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. That's kind of the prayer that we are praying as we pursue things. I think we can be fairly sure that pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and Oh, good to see you. Still with me? That's good, yeah. Uh, is well within God's will for us. Therefore, we can have confidence when we pray. 1 John 5, 
14 and 15 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know pursuing righteousness, godliness. See, I told you you'd get it by the end of it. We know that is in his will for us. And it says, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we've asked of him. So, to paraphrase that, if we ask something according to God's will, we know he'll hear us. And if he hears us, then we know that we've asked. Because this is something God wants to do. Before we take a moment uh, to to stop and to pray and reflect and ask the Lord, you know, to speak to you know to speak to us about our identity in Christ or what we should pursue, I wanted to make sure that no one feels under a pile of false expectations to perform in a certain way, even if it's like very Christian godly sort of way Um, or if you're feeling guilty because you've missed oh I've missed all these opportunities there are so many things I could have done 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11 says but you son of man pursue thankfully it doesn't say but you son of man be righteous be godly the verse is not about you or I being perfect The verse is about our direction of travel. It's about what we've set our hearts on, which goes back to what Jenny said that Paul had written in the earlier books. What have you set your heart on? Have you set your heart on your intellect and where you're going? Have you set your heart on the love of money? Or have you set your heart on righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness? But you, man of God, be righteous. You, woman of God, be godly. I found the following quote really helpful and releasing. I am not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I am not what one day I will be. But... By the grace of God, I am not what I once was. That was just, you know, I found that really, really um, powerful. And, um, you know, John Newton was a slave trader and wrote quite a good catchy tune as well. I am a work in progress. I mean, I've thought that it's really obvious if you look at me, you think, yeah, God's at work in him. Well, the good news is you're a work in progress too. 